Good afternoon, this is Wave 105, live across the South Coast. There is light clockwork from the greatest rock and roll band in the world ever, from Dunleary, Boomtown Rats, Bob Geldof, afternoon. Hey man, how are you Steve? I'm very good, how are you? I'm good, I saw, you, I saw you last weekend in Minehead, I you, believe. You, you did, no, so, yeah, this was at the Great British Alternative Music Festival. Now, number one question, forget the new album, did Pete Briquette get his roast dinner or not? No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we couldn't get anything to bloody eat. No. We were starving. And we get back to the hotel, which is a bit like Faulty Towers. <laughs> and they were very sweet. They'd all gone to bed. And we had to scrabble for the key that got us in the back door. But they they'd really loaded up with really great sandwiches. So we sat till there till three morosely no. eating. Uh, you know, sandwiches and gin. Brilliant. Um, I've got to say, I've, so I've, I've witnessed a couple of the tracks already off the new album live. They transfer yeah. well, don't they? Uh, that was the first go, and we were t- we were not nervous but tentative, and uh, you know um, we thought the second track get a grip, which I love on the album. Uh, that went a bit pear shaped. You wouldn't have noticed because no. we've been doing it a long time, so we we got out of it. But there was we were saying like there was a lot. There wasn't a recrimination, but we have to go back and really look at that and, and, and what went wrong with that. So yeah, it's it's look. You know, you're a working band. It's actually a job, and you, you, what you want to do is get the sense of the song. I'm not sure I love reproducing exactly no. because um, a record is a different medium but live you want it to just come alive in the way that you, you performed it originally. So yeah, uh, the Boomtown Rats, that track was great. I think Trash Glam was good. The, the, the second time we did it was good. So yeah, and I think the, cr- the crowd loved it. Citizens of Boomtown, let's get it straight. The album out on uh, this Friday. Now that last track on the album, the Boomtown Rats, I saw yeah. you do that at the Roundhouse when you came back. In yeah. st- that that, I've seen that done live many times. I looked around the room and I thought, nobody's expecting this, are they? For those that hadn't seen you live for a while. It's just so different, isn't it? It is, but look, you know, you're a band and you're writing now. And in the intervening years between then and now, there's been whole new beats and ways to make those beats. And so you, you absorb... Any new technology, the musicians are the first to use it. They they order the thing, they rip open the box, they plug it in, they try and make a noise. Classically, Prince would be one, like yeah. you know, and then he just discards it, you know, because he's he's used that. Okay, that's enough. Um, so over the years, you know, new things came on board. You know, the Rats always used like by album three, we were using ARP synthesizers. Uh, the opening track of that album, if you if you bought it back then, if you're of a certain vintage, I don't like Mondays was on that album. Someone's looking at you. Uh, the first track is all a synthesizer for the track Windchill Factor Minus Zero. So we always did that. And uh, for this stuff, don't forget Pete uh, produced the number one Tricky album. He, he, you know, he was he did all that trip hop stuff as a producer. He produced number one albums in France and Germany. So you know he'd bring into the mix all these new things. I go, God, I can use this. I can use this, and that's what we did. In terms of the song, the Boomtown Rats, its importance to me was I had to find a way back to being the character that stands in the front of the Boomtown Rats, as opposed to standing in the front of the solo band which is a different thing altogether yeah and I needed to find that guy Bobby Boomtown and you know he's you've seen it but he doesn't care what he says or does or the consequences thereof so he'd be larging it on stage and giving it large and sort of you know taking the pee out of the crowd they're taking the pee back it's very give and take and I needed to find him again where is he so I literally wrote I'm going to Boomtown I'm going back 
back to Boontown because that's where I'm at and when I get to Boontown I'll ask those cats what's happening here in Boontown it's those rats yeah. those rats those filthy rats the Boontown yeah, rats. rats and I wanted to hear at the Isle of Wight Festival 100,000 people chanting our name even though they may have never seen us or heard of us and in my head was that great image of Muhammad Ali, you know, standing over Sonny Liston, who he's just knocked down, and he's got his fist clenched, and he's shouting at him, what's my name? What's my yeah, name? Yeah. And, and that's what was in my head, and that got me back into that, you know. Amazing. I've got to say, I thought the floor was going to give way at Minehead because they were up and down. It was thumping, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was I mean, a great re- crowd, though. Yeah, absolutely. Citizens of Boomtown uh, is the album. Tales of Boomtown Glory, the book that goes with it, which comes out on the same day. Which is musings, lyrics, how would you describe it? What? Well, Faber, who are a great, famous publishing house, called me and said, look, they, they'd done books of lyrics of Radiohead and Kate Bush, and we'd like to do you next, which is really flattering, considering two great artists before. And I said, yeah, but that's great. Um... I'd like it to be a book rather than a catalogue of tunes. Yeah. Um, so I'll write a few essays and ideas around some of the songs. So, you know, I can remember writing Rat Trap, for example, which was the first Irish number one in the UK, the first New Wave number one, and obviously the first Rats number one. But I wrote that when I was working in an abattoir. And I thought that, you know, I knew I'd get out of working in a slaughterhouse. But how or when, I didn't know. And there was a hopelessness about the place. These people were stuck. They weren't getting out. I no. was. And so the obvious metaphor of, you know, the the destruction of animals and the abattoir of animals turned for me into a sort of slaughterhouse of human dreams. And so when I wrote that, I didn't know I was writing a song. I didn't know I was writing a number one record. I didn't know I was about to kill Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta, <laughs> you know, um, uh, and uh, who were number one, two and three. But I was very pleased that we did. And so I could write about that and the times and the people there. Uh, I could write about, do they know it's Christmas? I could write about, I don't like Mondays. I could write those things because they came about at a specific moment. What I found difficult to write about was um, some of the more internalised songs, you know, because they came from some deep well of the self that required to be articulated but you didn't quite know why but they demanded it and so the subconscious would sort of vomit forward these noises and words and phrases that you didn't quite understand but you knew were true and they needed to be said so those I found difficult Bob Geldof, see we'll talk some more in a moment it's Wave 105, She's So Modern, The Rats. Bob's here, the new album, Citizens of Boomtown, out this week. So's the book, Tales of Boomtown Glory. I was doing a bit of homework on you last night. I've got to say, I spent the funniest 20 minutes of my life watching I Am Bob. Yeah. What? what why wasn't that on the... I, I hadn't seen that before. Why did I miss it? It's a great movie. It's just... I was absolutely creasing by the end of it. It's a for the, for the, I won't give the I won't give the storyline away. But Bob's in the back of his limo. Uh, the the driver needs a wee. Bob needs a wee. Driver goes in the hotel. Bob goes in the bushes. While he's in there, the driver drives off. He's left with a motel and the rest. Well, you go and watch the movie because it's great. What a do you enjoy that? I did. Yeah. Was, you know you know Tim Rice. Yes. You know uh, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice, Evita, etc. etc. Uh, Jesus Christ, superstar. Uh, you know Tim is a friend. 
and he rang me and said, look, my son's written this short movie. Um, I am Bob. Um, will you do it? So I said, well, send me the script. And, you know, it was 10 minutes, supposedly. And I said, yeah, OK, I'll do it. But, of course, it could have been I am Elton or yeah. I am whatever, yeah, you know. Exactly. It could have been anyone. But, like, the pretense was that he'd written it specifically for me and I was the only one stupid enough to say <laughs> yes. So, um, but Don was, he's a lovely guy and if I can give him a hand, then fine. So we made this film and uh, it actually did start his career off. He's gone and done lots of stuff. And it took more than 10 bloody minutes. It yeah, took I bet about it a did. week. And, uh, but it's hilarious, you know, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I love. I'd forgotten about it till you mentioned yeah, it. It's absolutely, f- it's, you know. I spent twenty minutes laughing. From start and that's to finish, your deep background good. extended to what's yeah, exactly. Into the well done. <laughs> what sort of station is this? Who listens to you? Uh, right, Trash Glam Baby. What a track. Um, did it twice at my head as well. It was brilliant. Um, is is it uh, is it the natural progression on from She's So Modern? It is, and I'm thrilled you played that just before the break because um, we arrive in. London in the centre of the storm that was 1976. Yeah. We, we, we kind of knew that all of us, the Pistols, the Clash, the Ramones and Talking Heads, we're, we're literally all there. Uh, we play with the Ramones and Talking Heads. We play in schools high schools in in the afternoon at four o'clock. So can you imagine these 15-year-olds picking their noses and looking at the Ramones and the Rats and the Toys? They hadn't a clue what was going on in their Bay City roller outfits, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, we know that things are changing. Uh, We definitely, there's an excitement that this is is happening. And, of course, I've come out of Catholic Ireland, this this great cultural suffocation of silence, uh, and I arrive in noisy London, and I'm looking at these girls, and, uh, you know, they're, they're just as wild, just as rebel, just as fun, just as articulate, just as clever as any of the boys. And, you know, I'm in the tube and I'm seeing these kids coming in from the suburbs and their torn fishnets and a theatre of the self. Um, you know, punk was the beauty of ugliness, if you like. And, um, you know, because everything was torn up and patched together in the UK at that time, stuck together with sellotape and band-aids and and sticking plaster and safety pins. So, you know, the visual articulation of that time is so perfect. The economy was ruined. The inflationary rate was 27% in 1976. There was no future. And so these kids celebrated that by demanding a different future and I wrote She's So Modern which you've just heard fast forward a couple of years well three decades and I'm in a charity shop in the King's Road where all of this really happened around and uh, I'm looking for some shirts I can get and this kid walks in again the perfect age 15, 16 and she's not cooperating which is exactly what all 15 and 16 year olds should be doing except music today doesn't really urge them to do that it's too nice and this kid was just not cooperating with anything quite right and she was this she wasn't beautiful but she was beautiful Uh, she was this sort of sequin tramp this this walking glitter ball and uh, I, I overheard her talking to her mate behind the counter and she was moaning that it was another crap Saturday night and boys were rubbish anyway and she had no money and what happened to the feather boa they had in last week and you know she absolutely demanded to be a song she demanded she needed to be celebrated this 
great thing. And, you know, this this old guy looked at this kid and thought, in the confusion and chaos of the now, in the fact that we've elected fools to mediate this chaos, this moment of change, here's this 15, 16-year-old who exec- exactly understands this, you know, intuitively. And represents that through the way she is and behaves and dresses. So that's the Trash Glam Baby. And so this is a celebration of her. Brilliant. Uh, the album Citizens of Boomtown out Friday, the book as well. Um, I've I've already pledged my allegiance to Boomtown as I did at Minehead. I've, I've yes. put my hand in the air and I've said I'm part of it. Um, live work, I'm going to come see you at Stone Valley South, which is up in Hertfordshire. Obviously, yes. as, as we discussed before we came on air, the live work slightly curtailed by the situation with coronavirus. Yeah. Um, that's a shame. That's yeah, a we're shame. still, I mean, still doing Brighton Dome on yes, the uh, yes, 26th. Absolutely. Dying to do the Palladium on, on May the 1st. Dying to do it. Uh, I went to a gig there three weeks ago. Uh, you know, what a venue. Um, you know, can't wait to... Bobby Boomtown can't wait to tear it up. Well, the, and the, and uh, the do- Dome in Brighton, which is in our patch, is a lovely bit of architecture as well. Fantastic I mean, we place. Did it, we did it before and... Uh, you know, I hope this thing, you know, it's the British thing, keep calm, carry on, yeah. continues. I mean, Minehead the other week was a perfect example of that. Um, but, you know, we, we we need to be careful, but not to the extent where we kill life itself. Absolutely. Bob Geldof, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Citizens of Boomtown, the album. Uh, and this is, well, she's so 21st century. This is Trash Glam Baby. Bob, thanks so much. Cheers, Steve.